Well, get your Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number 2. Go to Genesis, chapter number 2. The bold and the beautiful. Amen. Amen. I am so excited to share this message, and I'm glad that this message is being recorded because I believe you need to go to our website and hear this message again um, when they put it on there. Um, I believe that this is probably one of the most important messages uh, that I've ever preached in my life because this message is personal. This message is personal. I live in a home where I'm the only male in my house. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, is, it, is, it is a blessing, um, but there has its challenges as well. Days when I'm cold in the vehicle and they're all hot. Mm, I, I, I love my girls, I love my wife, but there are, there are days of challenges that, uh, that we face. Um, I have to have two bathrooms, amen. Amen. And uh, as my 12-year-old is starting to, uh, to mature, um, there's an additional fragrance in the house. So I go from one room to the other room and then to, to my room. And, and uh, it's interesting, you know, uh, living in a home with, um, with all females. I, I think it's a blessing, though, on, on, on many, many aspects of things because um, God has trusted into me has trusted me with his most precious, precious, precious creation, and that is woman. I believe that God is most precious. I mean, he loves everybody. Of course, he loves men. But I truly believe that, uh, that God has such a, such a heart for his, uh, for his daughters, and um, I want to share this with you. If you're familiar with T.D. Jakes, his ministry really exploded when one day he was doing a Sunday school class and it was called Woman Thou Art Loose. And that was back in, way back. Um, and he went from doing a Sunday school class with a couple of ladies to now filling coliseums and hotels with ladies who come together with one agenda and that is to seek their father's face. And I remember when I was, God was downloading this revelation to me. And he said, Rowan, what I did to T.D. Jakes with women thou art loose, I will do to you with the fragrance of a female. He says, you will fill coliseums with my daughters. Uh-huh. Because you see, um, if God can trust you with his daughters, he can trust you with the church. So I think it's very important. And so at the gather place, we make no apologies, but we will raise strong ladies. We will not apologize for that. We'll raise up strong ladies. We will teach them their values. And we will release them to reproduce in this earth. And so I believe that if there is a place where there is strong ladies, you will then elevate the men in your life. Someone say amen to that. Mm -hmm. Because the strength of a woman is their ability to worship. To worship. To worship. 
So let's begin at Genesis chapter number three. Let's look at your design. Let, let's go back and let's look at your design. In Genesis, excuse me, Genesis chapter two. And he begins in verse 18. I'm reading from the New King James uh, Version. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. And Danny's going to not like me for this because I keep changing on her. Um, verse 18. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Verse 19, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took out of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. The first covenant we see here of being cut. Then the rib, verse 22, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And he said, and this is Adam now, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. So the identity, your name is woman. Before you were a wife, you were first a woman. Before you were a widow, if you lost someone, you were a woman. And what the enemy is after is your womanhood. That's what he's after. And so it's important that we understand this, that God designed you for his glory. God designed you for his glory. And so every relationship that you participate in must bring glory to God. If the relation doesn't bring glory to God, it'll destroy you every single time. Every single time. And so it's important then that we understand your fragrance. Then every female, you have a signature fragrance. Every single one of you. And when you enter into a room, you change the atmosphere. Because the moment you depart, what remains is your fragrance. So whatever house you are in, when you leave that house physically, your fragrance still remains there. You've got to know what house you need to participate in. It's not every house you can go to. Right? So when I was um, in high school, my, my best friend and I, we would walk into a room, and I've shared this with some of you, and we'd be able to scope out all the ladies in the room. Back in my old days. We'd be able to look at all the ladies. Scope. Excuse me. That part get crucified. That's what we were doing. And 99% of the time, we'd be able to identify which girl was vulnerable for us to jump on. 99% of the time. When I was pastor in Toronto, and we were leading our church there, this best friend walked into church. I said, now listen, I, brought, I said, listen, buddy. You leave these girls alone now. You leave them alone. And so, he came, and probably about a month, or I'm not sure of the time, he calls me, says, Rowan, I'm at one of your daughter's home. I said, what did I tell you to do? He goes, I, I, I listened to you. 
But I just want to let you know. And the one he was able to identify with was the one who was bleeding, who had just come from a bad relationship, wounded. He was able to pick up on that fragrance. I never told him. He had no clue. We were in high school. He's grown up. He walks into the church where ladies are gathered, and he picks up the fragrance instantly. Instantly picks up the fragrance. I said, leave her alone. He goes, okay. I'll leave her alone. I said, thank you. And the Lord has commissioned me. He said, I want you to raise up my daughters and tell them about their fragrance. So every one of you, every female in this place, you have a certain fragrance you do. It's a signature fragrance. And wherever you go, your fragrance remains there. So that's why in a gathering like this, I know the church is considered the building, but Paul was referring to the construction of it, the structure of it. But when he goes to the depth and the intimacy, he calls it a bride. He goes to the feminine aspect of it, right? And I'm not saying we should make church feminine because men won't come. What I'm talking about, there needs to be an atmosphere of worship. There needs to be this, this aroma of worship that brings the glory of God that changes the atmosphere. It's very important that we do that. So there's three things, ladies, I want you to understand. Three things. You're on this journey. And, and I want, Megan, would you help me do this? There's three things that you have to do, ladies, throughout your journey. And it, it's a circle, and it will continue to go. The first thing you have to do is this. You have to guide your heart. Yep, guide your heart. The first thing, you have to guide your heart. And there are four things we need to do to guide your heart. And that's what we're going to talk about today when we deal with the phrase of a female. And when you guide your heart in the love of God and you wait patiently for Jesus Christ, you now will be identified as a daughter who is bold and beautiful. Because we've got to deal with this thing called attraction. We've got to deal with this thing that, that, that makes you uh, uh, lovable, that makes you valued. And so the first thing to do is you have to guide your heart. Once you guide your heart, now the next thing you have to do is you have to guard your heart. You have to guard your heart. This is God's design. So God creates uh, uh, Eve. He creates her. He brings it to the man. And he says, now guide your heart. And, but he also says that you have to now guard your heart. Guard it. Protect it. Put the word of God inside of you. Guard your heart because when you give of your heart, ladies, you give of everything. And once you have guarded your heart, now you can give your heart. Now you can give your heart. Okay? So that is the sequence. That is how God has designed you, right, for you to flow so that your signature fragrance, whenever you enter into a room, the atmosphere changes. The atmosphere changes. Okay? So what the enemy has done is this. The enemy has successfully caused us to turn this upside down. <clears throat> and so what happens is this. Is because we're living upside down. We are given our heart. Having guided our, having guarded our heart. And so we can't guide our heart. That's what the enemy has done. When Eve fell with through eating the fruit and giving Adam, he turned it upside down. And so all of a sudden now we have ladies who are just given their heart. They're not being guarded and they're not guiding their heart. So today what God wants to do, 
He wants to turn this the right way around. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So, ladies, that's been wounded, the healing starts today. You are no longer going to be bleeding out and having a fragrance where things are going to come and start to try to eat you up and try to destroy you. You now are going to be God in your heart in the love of God and wait patiently for Jesus Christ. Okay? So watch this now. There is a movement, and I asked my daughter about this. There's a movement um, to ban the word bossy. Okay? Celebrities. And I don't want to say the name because they may come and listen to this and try to sue me. But, but celebrities, well-known, wealthy celebrities, had a campaign that said, we got we to ban the word bossy because, because um, in the playground, whenever a child would start telling people what to do, they say, stop being so bossy. So it's not building women's self-esteem, and that's just a bad word, so let's just, let's just, let's just ban the word bossy. So I had a co-worker yesterday at work, and I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Um, when you hear the word bossy, what comes to your mind? She goes, oh, someone that's, you know, telling people what to do and everything like that. I said, that's bad? She goes, well, it's being bossy. She goes, but I work in a male-dominant um, environment, and if I tell this contractor, move the door, he, he won't move it. But if a male comes and tells him to move the door, he'll move it. He calls me bossy, but the other person says he's in charge. So what has happened is that if we listen to society, they're going to try to define you. They're going to try to defend you. But what we need to know is what's your desire and how to discover who you are. I said, that's not being bossy. That's taking leadership. That's what that is. That's taking leadership. And so we have this thing called, called ban the word bossy. And I start to laugh. I'm like, you got to be kidding me here. They want to ban this word called bossy. Okay. Well, here's what we have to figure out then when we take, when we take a look at, at this whole thing called the bold and the beautiful is this. Esther chapter 2 verse 7. Esther chapter 2 verse 7 gives us our text. And it says this, Mordecai now. And it says, and he brought up Hadessah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So here was this beautiful woman now, a creation of God, and her father and her mother is dead, but Mordecai, Mordecai steps into that role now because says, I've got to protect that fragrance. I've got to mold that because in her is the next queen. In this daughter who had to mourn the loss of her mother and father is now trying to understand who's going to guide me. Who is going to direct me in my decision-making process. So Mordecai was listening and Mordecai now steps in and says, I am going to give you the word of God that's going to shape you and mold you because you are a daughter who needs to be bold and beautiful. 
So as Mordecai did that, and as she was growing, and as she was maturing, we now read the story where Haman, who was trying to destroy a nation. So Haman now was trying to seek revenge on what Saul and Samuel did. Haman now is birthed out of that ugliness. And what is ugly always tries to find what is beautiful to create ugly. Oh gosh. And so because he was, he was birthed out of ugliness, he wants to try to come and contaminate what is beautiful. But because Mordecai was telling Esther, I believe, you are bold and beautiful and training her in the instructions of God, she was able to know where her value system comes from. She was able to know where her, her strength comes from. And that is what made her beautiful. When they brought her to the palace and all the cosmetic things they were doing was secondary. She was already beautiful. She was already bold. That was just a confirmation of her character and the things inside of her. And I believe that there are so many Esthers out there who your destiny is to deliver a nation, but ugliness is trying to come and contaminate you. But I'm speaking to the Mordecais, the men in this place, who are going to say, I will protect God's daughter because they are bold and beautiful. Someone says amen. amen. We will protect our daughters because they are the ones who will be leading us and will be delivering a nation. So the time came when the decree went out that every Jew is going to be killed. And Esther now is promoted to a place of, 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 of influence. And Esther is promoted to a place of making decisions. Esther is placed in leadership. Esther is placed now where, where there's a voice in the midst of the culture. Come on. That, that God elevated and God promoted and God moved Esther to a great place of prominence. And so when trouble came, Mordecai now recognized that what I put inside of her, it's time for it to manifest. The seeds that I put inside of her is going to give birth to something that's going to save our nation. Are you with me, somebody? So parents, when you are raising up your daughter, we've got to put things inside of them that are valued, that will never, ever, ever change. That they can be like the Hebrew boys. I will never bow to the culture. I will never bow to the systems of this world. I believe we can raise up a generation like that. I believe that we can raise up our daughters to be like that. I believe we can raise up our wives to be people who will stand firm is anybody helping me this morning that I believe that we are called as the church to be the institution where daughters can run to where ladies can run to and it's a safe place that I know that I'm safe because God is there someone say amen Esther we need you now. But I can't go before the king on summons. He's got he's to invite me into his presence. Esther. I can't go in before the king unannounced. Don't you know that there's a law that governs my ability and my mobility? Esther. You are bold and you are beautiful. And if you don't go before the king, I promise you deliverance will come from another source. 
But don't think that you will be okay, that you'll be spared. That's when Esther realized, oh, I got an assignment that's bigger than myself. And daughters, when you know that your assignment is bigger than yourself, you will see the God inside of you that loves you and that protects you and that guides you in everything that you do. And she finally said, okay, I hear you, Mordecai. Call my sisters to fasten. Call the nation to fasten, to go before the Lord and to fast because I am going to go before the king. And she said this, if I perish, then I perish. But I've got to get to the king. For who knows, for maybe I came to the kingdom, Mordecai told her, for such a time as this. This is your time, daughters. This is your time. This is your time. So here's what we have to do then to understand the qualities that Esther possessed, to understand the qualities of a bold and a beautiful woman. Here they are. The first thing is this. Your desire is the Lord. You desire to see the boat, the, the beauty of the Lord. So Psalms 27 verse 4 says, your desires is one thing have I desired of the Lord. Psalms 27 verse 4. And that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So here it is now. Here it is. The temple. You now are the temple of God. So one thing I desire, this temple, is I may behold the beauty of the Lord. So my desire is to see beauty from God's perspective. That when I look at something, I declare it beautiful based on the word of God. So I'm a woman who operates based on the beauty of God because I am his temple. And because I'm his temple, because I'm his temple, then God is going to use me then to do great things for him. So my temple then is important. My temple is of great value. And so as the temple of God then, I am going to use all my resources, everything in me, all my resources are going to be used to further the purpose and the plans of God. Everything. Everything I have, I'm going to use it to further the purpose of God for my life because I'm God's temple. Contrary to what the woman movement is telling you, contrary to what even sometimes the Constitution may tell you, I know I have a right, but I've got a responsibility as a woman of God to carry myself a certain way because I'm a temple of God, and so I see beauty from that perspective. I see beauty from that perspective. So as I'm guiding my heart then, the thing I have to do is this. I'm going to desire the Lord. I'm going to desire the Lord. So Jesus now comes in the scene, and Luke is one of the gospel writers. He writes more about ladies than any other gospel writer. Luke does. Luke is a historian. Luke, Luke is writing, and he mentions ladies more than any other gospel writer. So it's a great place to start. And so Luke now writes, and he says in Luke chapter 8, he says, Jesus now, who is the word made flesh, Jesus now, he's with his 12 disciples, and he's preaching, teaching the kingdom of God. And I love this, right? Watch this now. In Luke chapter 8, he says, and then in verse number 2, and also some woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So here it is, Jesus now, he's walking with his boys, but the Bible says, and there were other ladies that was with him, and one of them was Mary Magdalene, 
who Jesus healed of all her sickness and all of her infirmities, and seven demons came out. Because when she behold the beauty of the Lord, oh gosh, that which was ugly inside of her had to come out. And because she was delivered, now she says, I'm going to guide my heart with the word of God. I know it's a male-dominant world, but I'm going to be right here with them. Because one thing I desire, one thing I desire, and that which I'm going to seek after, that might behold his beauty. And so Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, who says, I've been delivered. I've been set free. I'm not going to use my body. I'm going to be a temple of God for God's glory and for God's honor. And so here it was that seven demons came out of her and she was now healed let me tell you ladies when you have gone through when you've gone through deliverance and you're free it is impossible to close your mouth it is impossible for you to stay quiet when you have been set free from depression when you've been set free from the man that spoke so much things against you come on and you start to believe what he said about you when you understand who you are and you understand that i am not going to be a victim anymore you start to worship god you start to magnify god you start to praise god i'm telling you right now when you are around a sister who knows that she's been free. She's going to give God praise and give God glory because you don't know what it's like to be in a room that's dark and depressed. You don't know what it's like to be taking all sorts of needles and everything like that. You don't know what it's like to be someone's playtor. When they get free, they get to worship and praise the Almighty God. And so that's why when you know, when you come around a woman who has been free, she says, I don't know what you're talking about, but one thing I desire, I want to see the beauty of the Lord. And so worship now becomes a major important part of their life. Worship is critical. Worship is vital. Remember the time, babe, when, when we had to sell our house? We're in Toronto. We're, we're moving to America. And um, the house is just, was just wasn't selling. And Megan got a, a, a piece of worship inside of her, man. And she walked up and down that house. So in the name of Jesus, I declare that this house is sold. I declare that it's going to be bought and everything like that. And she prayed. Next, you know, someone came. Ding, ding. Yeah, we want it just the way it is. We'll take the house. That's because the fragrance that when it wasn't the cookies that the real estate agent tell her to bake. Come on, somebody. It wasn't the cookies that you baked and had the oven open so they go, oh, it's feel like it's homey. It was the fragrance of God because the woman who said, listen, daddy, I need for you to answer me right now. I'm bold and I'm beautiful and you invite me into your presence and I'm going to worship and I'm going to praise. I'm going to glorify God in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you, if there is some dude that's after you and he's no good for you, I promise you when you start to give God praise and you start to give God glory, that joker's got to be like a cockroach. He's got to run. Come on, somebody. Because because when the glory of God manifests, everything that's ugly has got to go. You can't be ugly and come in God's presence. No, 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 no. His presence will beautify you. Open up your mouth, daughters, and give God praise and glory. Open up your mouth. Let Mary know that we have sisters who are going to worship and magnify the Lord. Oh, God, I rebuke that drug dealer. I rebuke that person that's selling that cocaine to that young lady. In the name of Jesus, you get out and you leave them alone in Jesus' name. You leave our daughters alone in the name of Jesus. God, wipe that addiction.
conviction out of them, Lord God. They are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on, intercede and pray for your sisters in this city. Come on, Father, we pray a blessing be upon them. We pray they put down the needle now. They put down the needle now. They put down the crack now. They put down the drugs now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. You're, oh, you're going to get phone calls. Hallelujah. Come on, parents. Get excited. Your daughter's coming back. Your daughter's coming back. She's saying, I don't know what happened, but on Sunday, I just said enough is enough. One thing I desire. One thing I desire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Johanna, the wife of Chris. Here it's household manager and Susanna and many others who provided for them love of their own means. Now let me take you home with this. In Luke 8, he talked about Mary Magdalene. And the greatest story ever told is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The greatest story ever is about Jesus Christ and him being resurrected. There were other resurrections in the Bible, but they died. There were other people who was raised up, but they died. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest story ever told. And with Easter coming, which we're okay with that word. It's a Roman word, but, but we understand it's about the resurrection. Okay? The greatest story ever told from mankind, God, in Genesis, chose a woman to become the proton. That word means first in the Greek. The first messenger of the gospel was a woman. Come on. Luke 8, he walked with his men, healed and everything like that. But when it came to conquering death, Hell and the grave. He said, let me go find a woman. So you can't participate in the Easter service without looking at the woman's message first. And the church talks about the end, but I'm here to bring us back to the beginning. <laughs> and so here it is now that the Bible simply says this, and they crucified him. The reason why we know the specifics of a crucifixion is because of the historical books that were written of people who lived at the time that wrote about a crucifixion. It was the Romans' way. It wasn't the way a Jewish nation killed somebody. They stoned them. This was the Roman way of executing somebody. And so as a result of that, they had to get permission from Rome to bring about this execution. And so when, what they would do is they would have the bodies up there, and sometimes for three days they'd be up there gasping for breath. So when you walked by and you looked at the cross, you realized, I better not do what they just did because that would be me. It was the intimidation factor to keep people in control and in bondage. So when Jesus was crucified, now the disciples took off. But the Bible said, the ladies followed. One thing I desired that which I'll go after. See, because beauty is in the eye of beholder. And so when they beat him, come on, somebody. You can't take beauty out of him. Come on, somebody. 
that beauty that's inside Christ is the DNA of God. No matter how much you beat him, Paul says you can whoop me as much time as you want to. But I'm here to tell you that you can't take Christ out of me. And so beauty is in the eye of the beholden. Though his face was bleeding, we like to show all of that in Easter time, and that's okay. What they saw was the beauty. Ah, they saw the beauty. And they went. And here they were, and they crucified him. Joseph said, can I get his body? And they go to, to Pilate and Pilate says, you can have the body. And they, they get the spices together and they fix him and they put him in the tomb. And here we find in Luke 24 now that the first day of the week, they came with spices. And they walked into the tomb and boom, it was open. Not Peter. Not Matthew, no, no. It was Mary Magdalene that came. I'm guiding my heart, God. This is where they've laid you. I'm a daughter who's desperate. And so I bring these spices now, and a profound word says, why do you seek to live in amongst the dead? says, didn't he say that he will rise? And they're like, wow. And Mary goes back and tells the other ladies, he is risen. And they've seen him. He is risen. I went to watch a movie on Friday, the one that's played now, he is risen. I went to go watch it. And it's taken from a Roman's perspective of the crucifixion. But before the movie, there was the message. Come on, somebody. Before there was the Roman, there was Mary. Mary went to the tomb. It was Mary that went and she said, he is risen. My hope is not lost. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Jesus Christ. He's risen. He's not there. And she runs to the disciples who are in hiding and she says, hey guys, I'm going to change the atmosphere in this house. Good God. I've got to change the atmosphere in this house. You all are locked in afraid, but I went to the tomb and he is risen. So daughters, be bold and beautiful. I'm coming with a message of hope. I'm guiding my heart. I'm coming with a message of hope that he is risen. And she gets to there and she says, he is risen. And they did not believe her. She came with the greatest message ever told. For three and a half years, he told them, and he healed, and he delivered. For three and a half years, they walked with him, and the greatest message ever told. God puts it inside the temple of a woman, brings it to the disciples who are locked up, and said, I'm going to change the atmosphere, and they did not believe her. So here are the four qualities that will cause you ladies to make a believer out of somebody. The first thing we see is this, is her modesty. The first thing in Mary we see is her modesty. She knew that God took me from darkness and I never want to go back there again. 
So it wasn't her clothing that was the issue. It was her character. And Jesus transformed her character. And so in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, you can tell when a woman has been with Jesus. You can tell when it doesn't mean Jesus. Because here is their mindset. Watch this now. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, and I got to hurry. Do not let your adorning be by extending or external, excuse me, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. We have made a debauch out of this. We have said it's what you wear, and we become religious in doing that type of stuff. And so we have people who look good on the outside, but inside their heart is corrupt, and their heart is not even close to God. Okay, that's what we've done with this thing. Okay. However, however, when you adorn yourself in the hidden person of the heart, you will say before you leave, how do I look, God? Because I'm your temple. And I want people to behold the beauty of the Lord, not the beauty of me. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. And he says that, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So in other words then, watch this now, a church that understands the fragrance of a female would understand people coming that there's a sense of modesty because we're after your character, not after your clothing. So come as you are. Come as you are. Everybody's welcome. Come as you are. We're not going to discriminate. Come as you are because we're after the character because in God's sight, that heart that is, looks like it's ugly, when God gets a hold of it now, it becomes beautiful. It becomes this beautiful heart. It becomes this beautiful heart now. And so it's about the modesty. It's about actually, not watch this now, it is about reflecting the glory of God. So modesty is this, daughters, one of the qualities that I have is I'm modest because I reflect the glory of God. Because my goal is to change the atmosphere wherever I'm at. So that's the first thing is modesty. So when you come into my presence, I'm an unbeliever, but you come into my presence, I automatically notice your beauty. I notice your beauty because there's something different about you. Something different about you. The second thing now to guide your heart is this, her makeup. Her makeup. I'm not talking cover girl. I'm not talking that cosmetics because in 2 Kings 9 verse 30, ladies, be careful of this Jezebel Jezebel type of influence. And and so Jezebel, who was raised to be a worshiper of God, but but, but because of the Baal, sorry, because of the Baal worship, that influenced her to make decisions that I'm not going to follow Baal. And she took that influence and came and was controlling of Ahab. And so she was able to control Ahab. And so her makeup inside of her was she allowed those demonic things to control her. And as a result of that, her influence spread across the nation. And so we got to be careful of a Jezebel because watch this now. It says in 2 Kings 9.30, that is ugly and God does not want that type of influence in his church. So he says this now, you got to take it out you got to take out that Jezebel type of spirit. Listen to me, ladies. Jezebel knew her time was going to be expired because everyone was being killed around her. She went and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. And so she dressed herself in her royal things and said, hey, what are you going to do to me? But I'm here to tell you this. Watch. When you allow the enemy place in your life, he will always make it. Enemy goal is to kill 
to destroy your life. Listen to me, ladies. The enemy's goal is to kill and destroy your life. When he's finished using you, he will just throw you away and don't care about you. And that's what happened to Jezebel. She fell out the window and she spat on the ground and the dogs came and ate her up. And all that was left was her feet, her face, her hands and stuff like that. And that's because that's what Jezebel does. But here I'm here to tell you, this is what God wants now. In Proverbs 31, verse 30, he says, charm, in Proverbs 31, verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman, someone say a woman, who fears the Lord is to be praised. So a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears God is to be praised. And so when you're a woman who praises God, right, when you're a woman whose makeup is about the attributes of God, people now start affirming you. People now start celebrating you. People now start, start, start saying, hey, man, you're different from everybody else. Why? Because I fear the Lord. Jezebel didn't fear God. But what we have to do is we have to fear the Lord. We have to fear the Lord. My last two points are this now. Is a woman who is praised. Her message, her message, her message. And I end with this. Karen walked in, I think it was a couple of Sundays ago. Karen walks in, I'm here like this. And I said, Evangelist Karen. And she sat down and we had another service. And I said, Evangelist Karen, I call that in you. And if you don't mind, she pulls me aside and says, Ron, I don't know what you see, man, but okay, you help me then. If you see an evangelist in me, I said, I see an evangelist in you. 